the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Silicon Valley Business Connections, brought to you by the Silicon Valley Black Chamber of Commerce, where diversity and opportunity are one. From education to employment, entrepreneurship to innovation, this program is your weekly connection to the latest trends and opportunities taking place all across Silicon Valley. Host Carl Davis Jr. talks to the rock stars of Silicon Valley and offers you engaging interviews and insights from local, regional, and internationally acclaimed business leaders, entrepreneurs, and community leaders to help you stay connected. Now, here's your host, Carl Davis Jr. Welcome to Silicon Valley Business Connections. Hi, I'm Carl Davis Jr., and I'm the host, but I'm also the president of the Silicon Valley Black Chamber of Commerce, where we help all small businesses start, finance, grow, and even exit their businesses. We're located at 25 North 14th Street, downtown San Jose, or you can reach us via the web at blackchamber.com. In studio with me is my good friend, producer, and co-host, Mr. Carl, Big Papa Wells. How you doing, I Big love Papa? I when they call me Big Papa. I'm doing good, <laughs> man. How you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. I'm excited. Yeah, we have a fantastic show today. We have a good friend of the show, probably the best friend of the show, because he keeps us on the air. <laughs> we have Mr. Craig Roberts, and he is the program director of KDOW. <sighs> And the cast of the crowd of thousands goes wild. <laughs> equally, there you go. And equally, he is the host of Money Pulse. So, Mr. Uh, Craig Roberts, welcome to the show. Great to be here. It's good to have you here. And we have an interesting topic today, Carl. Oh, man, I'm going to segue into something that is truly into my heart. Uh, um, about 2013, when I became chamber president, I felt really strong about going into prisons or places where people are incarcerated and teaching them entrepreneurship skills. I know for a fact that when folks leave prisons and they come out and trying to get a job is challenging, but uh, if they can have that entrepreneurship mindset about self-employment, I I felt like that was at least a shot and a chance and would hope. And when I shared that with Craig, he got very excited about it. So we we wanted to bring Craig on the show. He's uh, he wants to talk a little bit about it, so let's hear from Craig and find out what's his heart on it. But before we do that, Craig, I thought I'd say something. Give us a little history of how you got to where you're at. Oh, my goodness. And, and to what degree? <laughs> Economic, physically, mentally, emotionally. <laughs> it's, been a, it's a long, sore tale. You don't want to hear all the details. Well, I've been involved with the company and broadcasting for Goodness, uh, 35-something years. We started the format of the Business Talk format for the Wall Street Business Network here in San Francisco exactly 10 years ago, July, in fact. And so it's been a great and exciting run and a wonderful opportunity not only to be involved in the programming end of things, but to help educate uh, business owners, up-and-coming entrepreneurs, and those interested in learning more about the world of money, money management, and uh, business to uh, gain some of the insights and information and skills they need to take things to the next level. Mm, I love that when he talks about money. Speaking of money, the name of this show is The Business of Prisons. 
Craig. Big money there, boy. Oh, oh, come, oh. Here, come on. <laughs> you know, it's it's sad because I think far too few Californians really understand not only how much money is involved in the criminal justice system in United States generally, in California in specific, but also, too, the way the system works or maybe better put, fails to work. It's one of those out of sight, out of minds, unless your life, your family has been touched by somebody that's had a brush with the criminal justice system. Most Californians have no clue what's going on when it comes to prisons in our state. I'll give you an example. California has nine state universities. The last state university to be constructed in the state of California was in 1960. Mm. How about that one? John F. Kennedy was still the president of the United States, barely elected. And we had probably roughly half the population we have today. And yet the California State University system has not built a single new campus in over 50 years. And yet, and yet... While California runs nine universities, we run 35 statewide prisons. Mm. Some mm. men's, some women's, some bigger, big names that we know, the Cochran's, Corcoran's rather, and then a lot of other minor prisons that nobody's really aware of, but 35 all told here in the state of California. So you're right. There's a lot of big business and big tax dollars in the penal system. So would you, in your research, do you know when the last prison was built? Since there's 35 prisons, I felt like you were going <laughs> they, there, They are Craig. still building prisons, <laughs> sadly enough. As the population here in California continues to increase, so too does the penal system and the need for more prisons. So it seems as if we've got all the focus backwards. We put a lot into the penal system and very little into the educational system. Now, that said, some people will say, wait a minute, wait a minute, Craig, 52 cents out of every dollar in in the state of California that's spent is spent on education. Mm. My question is, what are we getting for that money? And is the focus in the right direction? The problem, of course, is that a lot of the educational system tends to, now I'm going to step on toes here and mm-hmm. I know it, but tends to favor the nicer richer neighborhoods, and oftentimes the minority communities, they get the table scraps, and I think by the results of what's happening in the numbers in education and in the penal system, proof is in the pudding. You hear that, Carl? Well, it's incredible that he says 52 cents out of every dollar. Out of every every single dollar spent in the state of California goes to education. Yeah, in the state of California, we spend almost $70,000 a year, like $65,000 a year per prisoner. That's what the state of California spends. And so barely some, twelve grand though, to educate a student. Right, like yep, that. but 12 grand. Yeah. Barely 12 barely grand. Barely 12 grand to educate so, so 70 grand that, to house them. So does that say something not only just about the state of California, but the United States itself? How we treat, how we view, how we visualize either our future with our kids um, or do we do we look at our kids when they're in third and fourth grade and say, okay, let's go ahead and put the time and effort into these kids. These kids, we know we're going to end up spending $70,000 a year uh, on rehabilitation or or the, on the penal system somehow, some way. I got to say something. When Carl said that about third or fourth grade, and we know uh, we've talked about this before, I was at a educational conference and they said that they can predict the prison sort of uh, rate of what they're, how many prisons they're going to need by the third grade reading level of students. Mm-hmm. That almost broke my heart. And a guy took me to the side and said, Carl, you have to understand this. From first grade to third grade, 
you learn to read. Mm-hmm. From third grade on, you read to learn. <laughs> So if you haven't learned to read by the third or fourth grade, then your chances of going that other path to that penal system that we're talking about is highly increased. And, Carl, absent those fundamental life skills, then once they do have a brush with the law at 16, 18 years old, they either wind up in the the California Youth Authority or they wind up doing hard time in prisons. Yes, they are penalized. It's called a penal system. You do the crime. You do the time. I get all of that. But the problem, of course, is they go in and these really become places where they can hone their skills as criminals. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and therein lies the reason why we need to look at the rate of recidivism right now in California, over 82 yeah. percent. So out of every 100 prisoners that go into jail, they do the time. 82% of them, 82 out of every 100, wind up back in jail. Why? Well, we've taught them how to be better criminals. Mm. I, I've always believed if we're going to deal with crime in California, like any state, we need to rethink. Mm. Instead of the approach being singularly penal, mm. it should be rehabilitation. But mm. rehabilitation doing what? Today, you go to jail, you spend time in there, you can get some skills, they'll put you to work building school desks. There's a useful... Uh, <laughs> when you sk- get out. <laughs> but the real big skill, I think, the marketable one, is learning how to stamp license plates. I mean, there's, there's, there's a big demand for that. In fact, I understand Facebook is setting up a license plate factory over here in Menlo Park. Now, So the question I ask is, why are we not requiring prisoners who have a certain set amount of time that they have been remanded to a California institution? If you go in and you do not have a GED, never mind getting time off for good behavior, get time off for good grades. Mm -hmm. If they come in with no GED, by the time they're done with their tenure in jail, they are required to have a GED. If they come in with a GED, they are required to... Then get a degree. And for those handful that come in, maybe the guys that have done the white collar crimes, Hmm. you go in, you want time off, you get time off for coaching and mentoring the other guys and gals that are coming in that are studying to get their GED or studying to get their degree so that when they come in, they have no education. When they leave, they have at least some education that can go toward marketable skills so that they can actually make it in the outside world. And then we can chop that 82 percentile number of recidivism in half. Man, Craig, you know where he's going, Carl. He's right up in my alley. Education is extremely important. I just want to add one other twist to it. I want to teach entrepreneurship. I want to have people have an entrepreneurship mindset that when they come out, they can understand what it's like to be self-employed if they, even with their education, cannot get a job. I think we're really going to dive in that on the second half, Carl. You got any comments on that before we go? Well, I do want to, I, I think what you said is incredible, and I think it's excellent, and I think for the amount of money that we spend and correct in the penal system and correctional facilities. I think that would be an incredible thing to do is to rehabilitate, educate, and give people an opportunity once they get out. I mean, that that would be an incredible thing to do. I want to do this on the second half with Craig. I want to talk about the privatization of prisons. And I want everybody to hear this. You're listening to Silicon Valley Business Connections, and we'll be right back. This is Silicon Valley Business Connections with Carl Davis Jr., brought to you by the Silicon Valley Black Chamber of Commerce. More information about today's show is available by going to the Chamber's website, blackchamber.com. 
or call 408-288-8806. Now, back to Silicon Valley Business Connections. Man, although that's a wonderful song, <laughs> it's a pretty sad song because uh, there are people working on chain gangs. And uh, Still. Craig Roberts is here with us today. He's our he's our guest, and Carl and I were talking to him about the business of prisons, and it's a sad situation. And uh, but the prisons got so crowded so fast, and I believe it was because of Reagan. You know, the war on drugs, and we know what it's like now, the climate. But so many people got incarcerated that the government decided to start privatizing prisons. And when you follow the trail of that. In 2010, two or three of the major companies that provide this private service to prisons made over $3 billion on privatizing prisons. Net profit. Net profit. As a matter of fact, I told Craig earlier today, there is a crazy situation that they have the government in that says if the beds or the rooms that they have aren't full, the government, the authorities Pay for it. Is that crazy? Yeah, no. Boy, some mob member negotiated those terms. <laughs> now, what, what, what was the stat that you gave earlier about prisons versus universities? There is nine California state universities right. in, the, in the Cal University system and 35 prisons. Mm-hmm. State run. Mm-hmm. State and private run. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the business of it, man, is just incredible. But there's hope. But there's hope. You know, I don't want people who listen to the show to think that we're just painting just a negative picture. We're just kind of laying the groundwork. The hope is what I said earlier, that organizations, not just the chamber, but other organizations can come together and we could do what Craig was talking about. We could rehabilitate. Mm-hmm. We could change people's minds thinking and when they come out they can be productive people back into society now that means a lot there's a lot going on there there's Mm -hmm. things going on right now where prisoners who are in prison can actually buy groceries for their families while they're in prison that what keeps them what Mm -hmm. connected to the family but at the end of the day when they get out how can we make them productive citizens and how can we call them citizens again meaning at the end of the day they can actually vote. That they're not ex-cons and have that moniker on it, but there are, again, American citizens that does have the right to vote, that does have the right to get a job, that does have a right to start and create a life. Now, I got a little story that'll take about 15, 20 seconds. My, I've had an older brother that was killed in, in the system. My youngest, mm. my middle brother uh, got out about 12 years ago. Uh, couldn't get a job for three years, was destitute, couldn't find a job, then started washing windows on the street. Mm. After he started washing windows on the street, started getting jobs, washing windows just, you know, on, on people's car, uh, houses and, and small businesses. Now he has a company named Kenny Pfeiffer. The name of his company is K-Wind. He's in mm-hmm. L.A. He has a window washing business that he's doing on a lot of high rises. And the good thing about it is that he hires people that are coming out of prison. Mm-hmm. Now, I went to a luncheon a year ago with, with Larry, uh, uh, the mayor of VPA. Mm-hmm. There was an organization in East Palo Alto that actually hires prisoners uh, that mm-hmm. when people that are coming out of prison uh, for construction companies uh, f- working in in hospitals and all those kind of mm-hmm. things now, their responsibility is to get those get these prisoners these ex cons put them in jobs help educate them and get them started on their way mm-hmm. why can't they start that while they're in the prison system. It absolutely should be. So, again, instead of setting them up for failure once right. they're released, we're setting them up for success. Organizations like the American Enterprise Institute, Chambers of Commerce, there's so many layers, even, Carl, from the 
the percentage or, or, or viewpoint, rather, of the private sector being involved. You've got a lot of private sector schools, trade schools that are out there. Imagine what a boon it would be for them to provide services back to the prison system so that, granted, not everybody is destined to have a master's degree or a doctorate, but maybe you come out with a marketable trade school skill so that you are trained in air conditioning repair, automotive repair, house building, whatever the skill might be, so that once you're released, you go back into society. What do we always say? We want them to become contributing members to society. But you have to give them the tools in order to contribute. And that also comes to another point that's kind of a pet peeve of mine. Carl touched on this. I've never understood the mentality that says once you've committed a felony, you now lose your opportunity to vote. We've got that entirely wrong. To begin with, in the United States form of government as a constitutional republic – We are, as Lincoln said, government of, by, and for the people. So voting is not something you get to do. And I've I've always sort of (laughs) challenged people on the notion of talking about voters' rights. It's not just a right. It's a responsibility. It's not something you get to do. It's something you have to do because we are in this business of governing ourselves. Therefore, how can you strip someone of that right And responsibility. If you want them to be contributing members, you have to give them job skills, you have to give them hope, Mm -hmm. and you have to say, once you are released from prison, Mm -hmm. you must be – in fact, I'd give you one better. Mm -hmm. While they're in prison, how come they're not taught more civic skills and allowed to vote while they are in prison? Now, do you think that that's just too much work for the prison system to do? They say that's not our job. Our job is not to educate prisoners. Our job is to re- not rehabilitate, but to throw them to, in the gulag. Yeah, well, if, yeah. that, if that's the case, yeah. then let's let's bring in some people from Russia and from, Russia. Com- from communist China. <laughs> yeah. They know how to run those kinds of systems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is just about setting up warehouses, building boxes and locking people away. Then let's do the Soviet style. Yeah. We, have, we know we, that that's not the way we are as Americans. We are better yes. than that. Right. And if we're yes. going to live up to this label of American exceptionalism, yeah. then we have to stop thinking about this being strictly the penal system and start thinking about it being rehabilitation and skills granting so that when people that have made a mistake come out of prison, they have got the opportunity and the skills to be able to make something better of their lives outside of the prison. Craig, you, you speak, he speaks very eloquently and very passionately about that, and that's a wonderful thing to see that. But do you think that that is a top-down type of an organization? Do you think that the president or the Senate or the state Senate's uh, assembly, is that something that they should supposed to take on? They absolutely have to take it on, but it, it doesn't begin as a top-down. It begins as a bottom-up. Okay. Now, granted, there's a good percentage of them that have friends and relatives that are in jail. <laughs> or but that said, listen, this, this affects every one of our lives. If you look at that recidivism rate and you look at violent crime around the Bay Area, for example, mm. you know someone, you work with someone, you live next door to someone who has been a victim of a repeat offender. Yeah. So this is a grassroots issue. What we need to be doing is going to Sacramento, going to Washington, D.C., and saying, yeah, basta. You guys have got it all yeah. wrong. You have tried it this way for 50, 60, 70 years. It is not 
working. Mm-hmm. We've got a better plan, and this isn't an expensive plan. They're already spending the money. Yeah, yeah. And, and when you look at the amount of money that we spend per student versus per prisoner, what makes more sense? You could cut the prison population in half yeah. if you just stop looking at this strictly as penalty mm-hmm. and say, okay, you're going you're gonna to lose some liberties. Yes. But we're also going to grant you the tools and skills that you need so you've got a better shot at it. Now, if they still blow it after having given them all of those opportunities, then they probably deserve to go back to jail. But right now, we're not even giving them an even break. And somebody has got to stand up and say, Emperor is wearing no clothes. Enough of this. (laughs) And people have to understand what Craig just said is that we all live in communities. And there is a like a survival skill that says, you know, if a system sort of denies you a chance to have a decent job, you know, you're going to figure out a way how to what? Bring in money. So you're going to do things that are, quote unquote, illegal. So we need to figure this out because it affects all communities. And I don't Carl, if you're bringing in entrepreneurs who are teaching entrepreneurial skills to those inmates who, granted, may have a difficult time when they get back out. Somebody says, sees ex-con, where you've been the last four years of your life, there's a big gap on your resume, people will ask questions. I also believe that there's a degree to which some of that information should be hidden or expunged, but that's a different story. But at the very least, for somebody who has a difficult time going into the average Fortune 500 company and getting a job, give them the skills necessary to become their own men, to become entrepreneurs. So when you have people coming into the prison system that can coach and, and, and provide life skills and job training and entrepreneurial skills, all of a sudden what happens? Instead of these prisoners being surrounded by nothing but other prisoners where they learn how to become better criminals, mm-hmm. instead they're surrounded by by people with doctorates, people who have run Fortune 500 companies, people that are successful in the community, in the business world, who are hanging out with them, mentoring them, lifting them up, giving them an opportunity not only to set their heights towards a higher level, but to see that that bar is not impossible to reach. Once you start doing that, you could do an absolute about face to the criminal justice system, not only in California. Why not make this state the incubator? And if it takes off here, replicate this across all 50. Oh, man. Craig is preaching right now because uh, for those who are listening, you have to understand the United States has about 5% of the population of the world. But we house 25% of all the prisoners in the world. We have a serious problem here. Carl, I see you making some notes here. Craig, I mean, I, I love listening to you speaking. We got to bring this back because it's something that the chamber, yeah. it's something that our communities should get involved in, something that our educational system should get involved in, but definitely something that our politicians should get involved in. And we need to start that. If it's grassroots, and we need to start that type of grassroots. Yeah, no, I, I agree absolutely, Carl. And, and you know, it, it's time that we, we get off of this merry-go-round because clearly what we've done, what is the old uh, definition of insanity? You keep, you keep doing the same thing and try to expect a different result? You're crazy. This is insanity. And and again, for, for listeners, I'm not suggesting that we go soft on crime and, and have it, hand everybody a lollipop and say, now don't do that again. I'm not saying that at all. What I am saying is that the system as it currently stands that fails to provide those who go into the system with the skills that they need when they come out to be the better citizens that we say we want them to be, it becomes then incumbent upon society 
to provide those skills. Now, yes, we should also do a better job at short-circuiting them before they go into the penal system in the first place. But absent that, we've got to at least make sure on the backside that that recidivism rate, instead of being 82%, is flopped. Hmm. I think that would be a number we would be comfortable with. If 18% of people that commit crimes go back in again, that's okay, provided that we know that we've got the other group that comes out, stays out, contributes to society, and never has a brush with the law again. Hmm. Hmm. Man, we love that. We're going to have to bring... Uh, Craig, back on, Carl. This is, is this is way too deep. He's the boss. So he can come back anytime he wants to. That's for sure. <laughs> and for those people who are listening, you know, we really want you to get engaged with us. So you can contact us at the Silicon Valley Black Chamber of Commerce. Is this has touched your heart? It may have been a family member that you have, or you have some ideas, or you want to serve, like Craig said, and be a mentor or someone that can go into prisons and help change somebody's life. Well, we've been really, really blessed to have Craig on today. We're going to invite him back in, Carl. Until then, it's very important that we all stay connected. You're listening to Silicon Valley Business Connections. You've been listening to Silicon Valley Business Connections with Carl Davis Jr. and brought to you by the Silicon Valley Black Chamber of Commerce. More information about today's show is available by going to the Chamber's website, blackchamber.com. That's blackchamber.com. Or call 408-288-8806. That's 408-288-8806. Copies of our podcast are available online at blackchamber.com. If you would like to know more about a specific guest or make recommendations for upcoming guests and topics, email info at blackchamber.com. Keeping you connected. Silicon Valley Business Connections. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.